Well, my friends, today the church celebrates Pentecost Sunday, 50 days since our Easter celebrations. And Pentecost, today where we commemorate this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, and today is really the birthday of the church, that as the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the apostles, this is really the beginning of the church, guided by the Spirit. Pentecost, it's a big day. And it, uh, it's like the third highest feast in the church here that we have Easter and then Christmas and Pentecost, right? This is it. This is a big deal. This is the conclusion of our Easter celebration, but not the conclusion like an end, but a fulfillment of Easter and the just getting started now on the future. The years, the weeks of the church, which we now call ordinary time, actually used to be numbered like post-Pentecost, right? So it'd be like, to next week will be the first Sunday after Pentecost. Because like this is it, now we're in the time of the church. And the second Sunday, the third Sunday after Pentecost. That this becomes a reference point for so much of the life of the church. And Pentecost, unlike Christmas, where the second person of the Trinity became man. And uh, entered in that silent night where it's quiet. It's, almost, it's undercover, right? There, it's like sneaking behind enemy lines. Pentecost isn't quiet. This is a big deal. This is uh, loud. It's noisy. It's, it's um, vocal, right? We're not, we're not hiding anymore. We hear that there's this big driving wind and the tongues of fire and that 3,000 people from the city come to see what the heck is going on uh, because it's so loud and uh, it, there's a commotion happening, right? Like, I live, in a, I live here on Stanley Street and it ta- even here... It takes a lot for me to get up and go see what's going on, right? A normal fire engine isn't going to do it. Uh, not even a car that's doing donuts in the parking lot over there. Like, none of that. No. It's got to be like a big bang, right? It's got to be, this is, whereas Christmas is quiet, Pentecost is shock and awe, right? And all the more so if you lived in the middle of the city, it'd be even more. Well, this is Jerusalem, and everyone's there, and still it's so big of a thing that 3,000 people are like, we got to go see what just happened. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's on the scene. We're not quiet anymore. We're not staying under wraps. The Holy Spirit's here, and we're getting to work. And the Holy Spirit does really three things for us that we can consider today. First, the primary action of the Holy Spirit in our souls is holiness. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. You know, people think holiness is like, how much time do you clock praying, right? Or how good do you look while you're doing it? Like, that's holy. If you look really chill while you're praying, you must be really holy. Like, no. If the Holy Spirit lives in your soul, you're holy. If the Holy Spirit's not in your soul, you're not holy. It's that simple. If that's, that's all it is. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. We are holy because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, which we get through baptism, which is strengthened in confirmation. And if we lose that holiness through mortal sin, we get it back when we go to confession. That's objective holiness. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. And we're in this beautiful relationship when we're holy with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is the bond of love between the Father and the Son. And so the holiness in us is puts us in that same bond. We hear in that second letter from St. Paul to the Romans that those who are led 
by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, Paul later uses the word children because he's applying it to both men and women. But the particular legal characteristic of sonship here is that he wants all of us to share in that, which is the son gets the inheritance. That if you are the son in this time legally, you get the inheritance. And so all of us who are led by the Spirit of God, who have been adopted in the Holy Spirit, we become adopted sons of the Father. We're sons and daughters, but we are inheritors. We become inheritors of all that God has. Like, how incredible is that? If I knew, like, you are an inheritor, you're going to get, forget about millions of dollars. You're getting eternal life. You're getting beatitude. You're getting goodness itself. We become inheritors of the good things of God. That this is that relationship. And that we can call God, St. Paul says here, but you received the spirit of adoption through whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba. You know, people want to translate Abba like daddy. It's not, it's dad. It's just dad. It's something that's not weird to say, right? If I called, my, if I called up my dad right now and I said, hey, daddy, what's up? Like, he, he'd think I was crazy. What's going on? You know, but dad, it's a simple dad term. Dad, Abba, dad. That we get to call the father dad. That God is not just our creator anymore. He's not the taskmaster. He's not just the judge. He's dad. This is dad. God the father's our dad. And that, like, when I talk about you're having a bad day, just think, God the father is my dad. Like, God, there's my dad, right? That's my dad. Like, this is it. Divine filiation is the theological term for that. That we have become adopted sons and daughters of the Father. That we've been adopted by the Father, and we can call the Father Dad. When we feel God is distant from us, we just call him Dad. This is, a, this is my Dad, God the Father. He's my Dad. Also, the Spirit does bring us into this intimate, close relationship with Almighty God and with the Son. That there's a, a beautiful closeness and in, in intimacy here um, that we see in the gospel when we're talking about this relationship of holiness. That Jesus says on the day of the resurrection, on Easter, peace be with you. Right? Jesus says it, peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then what do we hear he does? He breathes on them. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a New England man. And so I don't want anyone breathing on me. Okay, that, that is way outside of my comfort zone, right? If you are close enough to breathe on me, you're too close, um, all right? But Jesus here is so close. We don't worship God from a distance, and we don't receive the Holy Spirit from a distance. Rather, it's up close and personal. It's that close, it's that intimate, that love that we share in the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit, which is then again fulfilled in Pentecost. Receive the Holy Spirit. But it's a closeness. you got to be close to receive the Holy Spirit. We can't be far away. We're right up close with our Lord. There's that beautiful intimacy. So that's the first point, that the Holy Spirit makes us holy, objectively. Being able to call God our Dad and being breathed down by the Son in that closeness. The second point, those who are guided by the Spirit of God are called the sons of God. 
Pentecost actually is not a feast we made up, like Easter. We, Easter's our, right? Easter's the day of the resurrection. That's art. Pentecost already was a feast. Luke says in the Acts of the Apostles, when the days of Pentecost were completed, because what happened? If Jesus died at the time of the Passover, celebrating the exodus from Egypt, what happened in the book of Exodus 50 days later? It's when God gave the law. Pentecost already was a feast that God gave the law to the people so he could guide them by the law. When God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And so that's again why the Jewish people are in Jerusalem um, there for the feast is that God gave the law on that day. And so our Pentecost, God gives not just the law on tablets, but the lawgiver himself comes to dwell in our souls. And the new law of grace is written upon our hearts. Then now the law is not something out there, but now the law is something so personal to me. Now again, don't take this the wrong way. This doesn't mean I get to make my own laws. This says, oh yeah, well, I got the Holy Spirit, so I'll decide what's right and wrong. No way. Absolutely not. But what it's saying is, again, take that relationship to dad. I've learned, as I've gotten older, how to be a good son to my father. I'm still not great at it, but I've learned how to be a good son to my father. Maybe when I was younger, I needed to be told, help us with the dishes, take out the trash, help with the yard work. It was a rule. It was a law. You're going to do this. Now, if I see my dad doing dishes, let me go help you with that, dad. Let, let me help. How can I help around the house? What can I do to help you? It's not a different thing. It's not like we get to make up our own rules. But now it's motivated not because someone tells me to, but it's motivated out of that relationship of love. It's the same with the Holy Spirit in our souls, that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. And now we do what's right. The good hasn't changed, but our motivation isn't because someone told us, but rather because we've been motivated by love for our dad in heaven, our heavenly father. And so that's the second thing that the Holy Spirit does. The lawgiver writing the new law of grace upon our hearts. And then the third, the Holy Spirit sends us out on mission that we have to go out now and proclaim the gospel. The apostles, uh, I was listening to the homily that Pope Francis gave earlier this morning in uh, the Vatican for this day. He makes a great point. The apostles probably never publicly spoke, right? These were fishermen. They're not public speakers. And now you got 3,000 people in one spot. And they're preaching. They're speaking. They're doing it not motivated. They're motivated by this love of God by the fire of the Holy Spirit. And they're doing it with confidence. Peter gets up and he gives this moving discourse on Pentecost, um, preaching to these 3,000 people. And in fact, the apostles are so alive while they're doing this. They're so motivated by the fire of the Spirit, the people think they're drunk. It's like nine, it happened nine in the morning. And it's like, it's nine in the morning. These guys are already drunk. What's going on? Right? And Peter starts his discourse saying, men of Galilee, we're not drunk. Rather, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. That this is the Holy Spirit that was promised and came upon us. We have to go preach. And we have to do it not motivated because someone tells us to. We have to not do it out of a type of pride that I'm smarter than you and I'm going to convince you. Rather, 
I love God so much that love has been poured into my heart in the Holy Spirit. I need to go share it. The Spirit kind of pushes us to do that, right? We have, as soon as Jesus is baptized and the Father says, this is my beloved Son, we see the Spirit descend upon him. And the Gospel tells us the Spirit pushed Jesus into the desert, which would then begin the beginning of his public ministry through that time of prayer and fasting. The Spirit pushes us to go evangelize and empowers us to do it. We hear that this crowd is hearing the apostles in their own native language, the famous gift of tongues, that the apostles had this infused ability to speak these languages to be able to spread the gospel to all different lands and regions. We need that today, but not because all of a sudden I'm going to learn this language, you know, oh, I'm If I pray enough to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be great in Spanish or Portuguese or whatever. No. Rather, there are people that need the gospel proclaimed to them in their own language. In the language of doctors. In the language of teachers. In the language of salespeople. In the language of parents. In the language of children. There are people that need to hear the gospel, but translated into the language that you know that they speak. That we share with them. And so great, the great gift of tongues is I can explain and explain the gospel in this way, not changing it, but I can explain it in a way that today's modern world can understand and that my friends and family can understand and my co-workers can understand. The gift of tongues needs to be just as present today of bringing the gospel to the people that aren't going to just get the homilies or the books or the readings or all of that. That we need to go out and uh, preach the gospel to them. Tell them the great things that God has done. The Spirit gives us the power to do that. The Spirit helps us along the way and pushes us so we have to do it. So what do we have to do? We have to let ourselves be pushed. We need docility to the Holy Spirit. We need the openness to the Holy Spirit. So my friends, this is Pentecost, number three feast in the church. What a great day to celebrate that God makes us holy objectively through the Holy Spirit giving us the ability to call the Father Dad, being so close to the Son that he breathes on us. The Spirit guides us with the new law of grace written upon our hearts so that all of our actions can be motivated out of love of our good Dad. And then the Spirit pushes us on mission so we can go out and proclaim the greatness of God to all the nations. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them the fire of your love. Lord, send forth your Spirit and renew the face of the earth.